0: From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith with Making a Difference, every day, five days a week right here on this station at this time, we get together, open the Bible, talk about the good things of God, and really, really try to dig into some things that'll be a help to you, an encouragement to you, and will in fact do some enlightening as far as what the Word of God teaches us. We've been looking now for several days at Romans chapter 1 and the major topics that are laid out there. We've looked at the gospel of God, the Son of God, the will of God, the power of God, the righteousness of God, yesterday the wrath of God. Now today we're going to be talking about the glory of God. Those major topics are all mentioned verse by verse, one step at a time, in Romans chapter number 1. And we've got a couple more to go even after this one today. So we're looking at the things that God says are big items. These are major considerations as the Lord defines major things, things that He makes much ado about. And I'm convinced that if God says it's major, you and I ought to also say this is major. Now, as we get to our study today, we're going to be reading from chapter 1 of Romans, verse number 20. But let me take just a second to remind you that the National Sword of the Lord Conference is coming very quickly now, July 19th through the 22nd, four big days, right here at the Sword of the Lord Headquarters Auditorium in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Now, the in-person seating is by reservation. So if you intend to come, I want you to call 615 893 6700 that's 615-893-6700, and tell us that you're coming. We'll save a seat for you. The seats are free. The reservation is free, but we want you to reserve a seat so you'll not be disappointed if the house is full. We do have limited seating. At the same time, we will be live streaming worldwide. So wherever that you are in the world, you will be able to tap in To the live stream and watch and listen to the preaching, the music, my school of the prophets in the afternoon, all of that. We look forward to having you with us one way or the other. Now let's look at Romans chapter number one and reading from verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, what a stunning statement this is. These four verses tell an amazing story, and they probe the depths of two opposing viewpoints. Two worldviews are presented here, namely, Number one, humanism and all of its atheistic roots. And secondly, the truthful realities of a God-created, God-centered world. Those two philosophies, those two religious viewpoints, are in strong opposition to each other. They vie for attention they clamor to be heard, but they are never compatible with each other. Now, let's consider the first one that's laid out here, and that is the matter of humanism. Verse 21 says, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. You say they knew God? Well, yes, they understand that there is a God. Now, the fool says in his heart, Psalm 14.1 and Psalm 53.1 tell us That the fool says down deep in his heart, oh, there is no God. Well, in reality, that is a ploy, that is a scheme, that is a strategy that really will allow the man to do what he wants to do. It's like I can say he's not there and he'll just go away. Well, God doesn't go away, but these folks cannot pretend that they do not know God. When they knew God, the Bible says they glorified Him not as God. They just decided that they would identify themselves in a way that was totally different from what reality actually was. The next thing it says is, neither were they thankful. They just did not have a grateful heart. They looked at themselves and they said, hey, look at us, look where we are, look what we've become. And they are proud of themselves and they do not have the gratitude in their heart for the one that made them, for the one that gave them life, for the one who's provided blessing for them, for the one who gives them breath every day. They were not thankful. And dear friend, when you and I lose the thankfulness of our heart, we are treading on dangerous ground. We need every day to be grateful to the great God who loved us, who made us, who provides for us. And uh, these folks go ahead. I'm talking about the humanist. The Bible says here they became vain in their imagination. Now, that's absolutely mind-boggling because... They're just doing senseless things. They are vain in their imagination. You look at the things they say, you look at the things they do, and you have to ask yourself, what will they think of next? What will they do next? I mean, they get in front of the cameras on TV and do some of the most ridiculous things, and you say, what in the world is going on in their cranial area? It just really is mind-boggling. And that results, the next part of the verse says, that their foolish heart was darkened. You say, why is their heart darkened? Because there's no light in them. They have shut out the light. They have pushed the light of God back out of the picture. God is backed out, and there's just no light there. The next part of the equation is, verse 22 says, then they profess themselves to be wise. Now, that's exactly what happens whenever we set aside the God who is omniscient the God who is all knowledge, the God who knows everything, we then as humanists, if we were following along in this line of thought, we, in ignorance, would be looking at all of this and just saying, hey, you know, we really are the ones who have the information. We're the ones that are wise. We're the know-it-alls. Well, that kind of humanistic thinking is so vain. It is so tragic. It is so much an indication of a darkened heart that they go around strutting themselves and telling everybody, listen, we know everything. Nobody knew anything till we got here. We are now, this generation, I mean, we are on top of it. Well, the fact is, dear folks, this Bible verse tells me that in reality, they are fools. Absolute fools because of their foolishness. And then what do they do? They go on, and here's where we begin to look at the matter of the glory of God. They go on to change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like unto corruptible man. So, what do we have going on here? They reject God, who is God, and then they go out and make themselves some gods. Now that's Big God, capital G, and little letter G, that kind of a god is what they make. So here we have them changing the glory of the great God by reproducing something that is a substitute for the real God. Man, according to the humanist is the highest order that there is. Nothing is higher, taller, greater, bigger than man. But listen, there is an incorruptible and uncorruptible God. Who is he? Well, he is wise, he is holy, he is sinless, he is absolutely, totally perfect in every aspect, he is all-powerful, he is all-knowledgeable, he is altogether present, and he cannot He cannot, in reality, be replaced by one of these man-made images. You know, there's a great difference between the God who made man and the gods that men make. The God who made man, I mean, He created us, and thus we have a great God, and we have many great blessings because of that. But whenever men go out and say, we're going to set Him aside, we're going to push Him back— We don't like following him. We don't like the orders that he gives us. So they push him back. And what do they do? Well, they're going to go out and create some gods of their own. You say, how do they do that? They look at the images of a corruptible man. They begin to compare themselves among themselves, to quote another passage of Scripture, and they measure themselves by themselves, and that's the kind of little god, little g-god, that they come up with. Now, all of this, all of this happens because of a wicked, sinful nature that rejects authority, demands its own way, and will not yield to the authority or to the will of anyone else. They're just not going to give God the place that He deserves. Now, we understand, if you are blind, you cannot see. If you are in darkness, your vision is greatly obscured. But the Scripture, I'm talking about the infallible, inspired Word of God, does provide light for us. And this passage tells us some things about the goodness of God, the grace of God, and the glory of God. I mean, it's all right here. You say, how does the humanist come up with all of this stuff that he comes up with? Well, he creates a religion of his own, and that religion is called evolution. Evolution is something invented by man, and it really says, well, you know, all of this just happened. It all just kind of developed along over a period of long, many, many millions of years. And dear folks, there have not been millions of years for all of this to evolve. And plus the fact, you know, you'd think if uh, evolution had any degree of substance to it at all, there'd still be some evidence of that developing on Main Street or in the back alley somewhere, out in the desert, in the jungle somewhere, on Main Street in America, maybe, there'd be some evidence evolution still in process. But there's none of that, absolutely none of that. So evolution is more about religion than it is about science, and it is designed to let humanist man do what he wants to do and explain himself, give him a definition or give him an explanation of how he got here. And you say, well, where did evolution come from? If you'll pardon the pun, it was created by man. Man created evolution so that he'd have a religious explanation for his existence. But here's what the Bible tells us. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Now, whenever I look up into the sky, in the daytime, the sun is there. At night, the moon is there. And there are stars night and day. There are stars. They're all out there. They're shining and way, way out beyond in many, many things thousands and tens of thousands and millions of miles. There are so many, many things in this world and they're out there functioning in an orderly fashion. You can predict when the sun will come up. I mean, a hundred years from now, you can tell to the exact minute when the sun will peak over the horizon. You can tell every day to the exact minute when the sun will set. Why is that? Because the universe is functioning in an orderly fashion, and it does so because there is a God who created it, a God who set it in motion, a God who sustains it, God who has provided all of that like the intricate workings of a master clock. I mean, just like a great, great clock keeps perfect time, so the universe functions in that kind of an orderly way. And listen, God has set His name, this verse says, above the heavens. Now, we're just getting started with this topic about the glory of God, and I'll continue this on the broadcast tomorrow, and I hope that you'll be back with me because I've got some more to tell you about the goodness and the grace and the glory of God and the way it sets itself in opposition to all of this humanistic thought. We'll look at that tomorrow. And listen, thank you for being along with us. We appreciate you joining us here every day, Monday through Friday. Friday on this station at this time, and we look forward to having you back with us again tomorrow. And in the meantime, I hope that you'll write to me. Let me know that you're hearing the broadcast. I love to hear from you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133, or send me an email at radio at And listen, we'll look forward to having you back tomorrow. God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.